Welcome to the Classroom Commute Podcast, a podcast for elementary teachers who want to feel inspired each week on your ride into school. I'm your host, Rachel, and my goal is to give you simple and actionable 21st century teaching strategies that you can take into your classroom to spark the love of learning in your students. You are already amazing, and together we're going places. Thanks for taking me along for the ride. Hey teachers, happy summer. Have you heard? We're switching things up here on the Classroom Commute podcast and we're trading in our daily drive to school with a summer teacher road trip. What's that mean? Well, each week this summer, we are visiting some of the most popular tourist destinations, aka the most popular podcast episodes of this past school year. So listen in, get re-inspired, and best of all, make sure you have joined our email family so that you can snag some exclusive freebies that only they will get and get access to hot summer deals at the Classroom Nook Teacher Shop. We'll link up all the details in the show notes so you don't miss out. All right, grab your favorite road trip snack and let's get started. Hey, hey, I'm so glad you're back for another episode of the Classroom Commute Podcast. And if you're brand new, welcome. If you have been tuning in for the past few weeks, you may have picked up on the fact that I've been putting a lot of focus on the modern day classroom and what's actually working right now. I've also been challenging some of the teaching ideas and practices that we've used in our classrooms and that have dominated in the classroom for the past decade or so. And I've really been questioning whether or not they are relevant anymore. You know, as we started this conversation, we first started talking about whether or not learning styles are a myth. And by learning styles, I mean the visual learners versus the auditory learners versus the kinesthetic learners and so on. All those philosophies that you were likely taught in college. And if you want to hear my take on learning styles and whether or not they truly make a difference for students, you'll have to go back and check out episode 91 where I unpack the latest research on learning styles. It might actually surprise you. And then last week we talked in episode 94 about what's working right now in the classroom when it comes to increasing student success. And these strategies draw upon modern best teaching practices, things that maybe we didn't do 10 years ago, but we see now that they make a huge difference in our students' success rate. All of this conversation has begun to set the stage to a larger question, which is, what is a 21st century classroom? You may have heard that term, 21st century classroom, thrown out. I've used it, but what really is it? If education is changing, which it totally is, if some of the educational philosophies that played a larger role and had a bigger influence on our teaching practices are no longer relevant, then where does that leave us? How can we begin creating a 21st century modern day classroom that can meet the demands of students in our classroom today? Well, we are just scratching the surface. We're just starting this journey because there is a lot to unpack. But I first wanted to start today with laying the groundwork for what it means to be a 21st century classroom. That way, as we move forward in our discussion, you can reflect on how it compares to your own classroom. Let's go ahead and get started. One of the bigger elements of a 21st century classroom likely won't surprise you. It's technology. Technology affects virtually every aspect of our daily lives. So it's not surprising that it also plays a large role in the classroom as well. 
And it's important that we get students acquainted with technology from a young age. And because we as elementary teachers are in that first phase of their education, we then play a large role in that. But technology isn't the only component of a 21st century classroom. And I don't want you walk away thinking that number one, that's all I think is important. And number two, that if you incorporate technology in your classroom, you're good to go. There's a whole lot of other moving parts that we need to consider here. But I point out technology first because it is one of the bigger ones that we deal with today in a 21st century classroom. And it's one that we will see often woven into all the other components. So that's why I bring it up first. A 21st century classroom is all about collaboration. I've talked a lot here on the podcast and will continue to do so in future episodes about how it is no longer appropriate for knowledge to flow only from the teacher. So a teacher-directed only lesson. The traditional methods of the teacher standing in front of the room, doing all the teaching and the talking, no longer serves our students. Instead, the best way to make learning meaningful for students is to create a collaborative environment that encourages students to learn from each other, to work through problems together, to discover things on their own, to feel empowered, to share their opinions with others. These types of experiences cannot be done in a teacher-directed only environment. Now, before I go on any further, I always get pushback when I say things like this, when I say that it's no longer appropriate for teachers to do all the teaching. So I want to stop here and clarify what I mean. There are, of course, going to be times when the teacher will need to be in front of the classroom or in front of a small group or whatever the setup that you have, and they will need to teach some something new or model something new or go over directions. And there is nothing wrong with that. I want to be clear about that. The problem comes when that's where the learning experience ends. It starts with the teacher and it ends with the teacher. A collaborative environment may start with the teacher. It may start with modeling and giving them a little information, but it's continued with small groups or partners or hands-on activities or allowing students to discover things on their own. The teacher here in a 21st century classroom becomes the facilitator and the students are active participants. And I don't know about you, but that was not the way that it was for me. I was a passive participant and the teacher was the director, the cruise ship director steering us where we needed to go. And now we are transitioning more into an environment where the teacher is the facilitator, getting just enough information out to the students so that they can then become active participants. You may have heard a quote that goes something like this. Effective teachers show students where to look, but they don't tell them what to see. And I think that's a really powerful quote and applies a whole lot to what we're talking about today. Teachers start the journey, but students continue it. And if you want more information about how to increase student participation in the classroom, I'll link to an episode, I believe it was episode 55, in the show notes all about easy tips to boost student participation. And the tips that I share in that episode will help you put what we're talking about here into practice. All right, another real important element of a 21st century classroom is the emphasis on hands-on learning. This is not a new term. It's been around for forever, but it's really been put and brought to the forefront here as we talk about 21st century classrooms. The hands-on learning is the continuation of what a teacher may have started. So we talked about just a minute ago about how the teacher is the facilitator and gets the learning going. Well, the hands-on learning experiences is the continuation of that. Hands-on learning is often associated with science, right? It's easy to do hands-on lessons with experiments in science, but how can we incorporate immersive lessons into other areas of our day? 
whether that's a small group project in reading or the use of more math manipulatives in math instead of just using pen and paper or acting something out in social studies or creating a class podcast like we talked about a few episodes ago. And I'll link to that episode in the show notes as well. Things that get students working together with hands-on activities that involve movement and manipulation and learning new skills. That's what we want to see and we want to see it often. Now, all that being said, if we want our classrooms to be collaborative, we need to be also considering how we design the layout of our classroom. Is our classroom set up in a way that makes it easy for students to collaborate and work with one another? Have you considered adding things like a maker space that allows students to use their hands to be creative? And so for those of you who are unfamiliar with maker space, it's essentially an area in your classroom that's stocked with a variety of materials and supplies, a lot of which are associated with things like STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. So it's not just art crafts, it's not googly eyes necessarily and pipe cleaners, although it could include those, but it's all sorts of things that they could use to explore and build and create and tinker with just to be creative without step-by-step guidance from you, the teacher. It allows for students to express what they're learning in their own unique way. You know, one of the ways that you can get a pulse on your own use of hands-on learning is to simply look at your weekly plans. Take a quick inventory. What activities do you have planned for the next week or the next month? How many of those activities invite hands-on collaborative learning? And if you're not finding them or not enough of them, what activities could you swap out or even what are just some small tweaks that you can make to make whatever you already have planned more interactive and hands-on? You don't need to necessarily throw out the whole activity altogether. What are some small tweaks that you could make that invite more discussion, more collaboration instead of you being the one that gives the information and the students just expected to absorb it? And of course, moving forward, as you adopt this idea of 21st century classroom, always be looking for more ways to provide hands-on inquiry-based learning. Another important element of 21st century classroom is transparent assessment. So what do I mean by that? I don't know about you, but when I was in school, I would turn in an assignment and a few days later, I'd get it back with a grade on top. There typically was no explanation for that grade. It was just a grade. Now, sometimes it was obvious as to how I got that grade. You know, there were 10 multiplication problems. I got two wrong, so I got an 80%. But what about things like writing assignments or book reports or other more creative types of assignments? What about when I was being assessed on my ability to apply certain reading skills or strategies? There was no clear communication of how I was doing. Today, we know that students do better when they know what is expected of them before they start a task or an assignment. They understand more about where they are if they can see clear indicators of whether they're getting it or not getting a skill. And rubrics are super helpful in this, specifically rubrics written in kid-friendly language. So there are those rubrics that you as the teacher use and you don't necessarily share with your students. And there are those rubrics that are written specifically to be used with students. And they're written in a way that students can understand. And it tells them exactly what it means to fully get and understand a topic or skill. They can look at the rubric and say, yeah, I can explain in clear language what it means to make a connection. This is what it sounds like. And yes, I can make text-to-text connections using the books that I read without assistance. Let me show you how. 
And I did an episode a while back all about how to use rubrics for assessment and instructional purposes. So I will link to that in the show notes. But the point is that rubrics make it a whole lot easier to be transparent in what we are assessing our students on and how we are assessing them. And we can use the information on a rubric to communicate to students. We can point to the language used right on the rubric and say things like, this is where you are and this is where we're working towards. So I am a big fan of using rubrics wherever you can in your teaching and to use it not only in assessment, but also provide that rubric for the students before they start something so that they know what the expectations are before they begin something. It's that transparent assessment. We're not trying to pull anything over on them. We're not trying to trick them. We want them to know exactly what needs to be done in order to earn or, you know, reach a certain level rather. One final thing that I'll point out about what it means to be a 21st century classroom is the emphasis on reflection. And this is a good time to bring it up after we just talked about rubrics because rubrics are all about reflection. We don't want our students to just know something. We want them to reflect on one, how does this new knowledge impact them? Two, how does this knowledge impact or change what they thought they already knew about the topic or what they do already know about the topic? Three, what does this knowledge mean to them and how can they personalize it to make it meaningful for them? And finally, you know, what questions do they still have? What are they still struggling with? The practice of reflection helps students to be aware, you know, where they are in the learning process. We don't just want our students to know when they understand something. We also want them to know when they don't understand. And then then we can give them the tools and the strategies that they need to help them. And we want them to kind of self-advocate for themselves when they don't understand something. And that only happens if we're asking them to reflect. And of course, this art of reflection is a lifelong process, but we need to begin the process now when students are young so that we can continue to develop that skill. All right, before I wrap this conversation up today, I wanted to say that one of the ways that I have tried to have a hand in this whole process of supporting you and supporting teachers who are looking to create 21st century classrooms is through my creation of Linktivity Interactive Learning Guides. I've talked about them a lot and I'm gonna continue to talk about them a lot because it's kind of my passion project at this point to help support teachers. Because through Linktivities, I'm trying to bring in as many elements and as many components of a 21st century classroom as I can into one experience. Things like hands-on learning we talked about in great length today as students can manipulate and navigate through the linktivity. Things like learning through discovery where students seek out information on their own terms in their own order at their own pace without having to be completely directed by the teacher. And of course, a linktivity is an easy way to incorporate technology in a meaningful way. I also want to make it as easy on teachers as possible because I totally get how hard it is to incorporate all of these components of a 21st century classroom into your daily teaching. And I want to remind you that it is a work in progress and I'm not expecting you to just flip the switch and make it happen. But I do want to do my part in supporting you in the ways that I can. And for me, those ways are one through this podcast as I hope to bring you the most current information about teaching practices and ideas and tips, but also through my resources, specifically my Linktivity resources. And if you are looking for a great first step to implementing 21st century teaching practices, then I want to let you know that I've created a Linktivity learning membership for such a time as this. Inside the membership, teachers can get access to my entire library of Linktivities for one low monthly or annual price. But the best part is, is that once you're a member, you'll continue to get access to not just the Linktivities that are inside the membership, which by the way, includes some really exclusive Linktivities that are only 
only inside the membership, but you'll also get immediate access to all future Linktivities added each month to the membership without having to purchase them separately. So instead of having to go to TPT to purchase them, you're gonna already have access to them right inside your membership library. In fact, right now, I'm only putting my new Linktivities inside the membership. So if you wanna get your hands on the latest and the greatest and the new things coming down the pipeline, you gotta come on over to Linktivity Learning and join the membership. You can get all your information there. If you just want to learn about Linktivities, you can head over to classroomnook.com forward slash Linktivity. I'll tell you all about it, what's included, what is a Linktivity if you're new to them. And I will also show you how you can join us inside the membership to get access to this 21st century teaching tool that makes it super easy and seamless to incorporate 21st century instruction into your classroom. All right, that is all I have for you today. We've covered a lot of ground. We've only just gotten started. I've got lots of great information and things coming for you in the upcoming week. So I hope you'll come back again next week. Tune in to another episode. Bye for now.